wasabi wallet, unfairly private. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. First time we've done this on a Friday in a while. I've been traveling. Uh, you may have noticed uh, I was pre-recording these while I was on the road uh, because who knows? I, I could have come across some spotty internet, but we're back. We're back. I am home and uh, and I'm back in my studio. It's nice to have everything behind me again. Uh, so we're ready to do this. I've got a killer panel. I'm super excited for today. I hope you guys are too. Um, and again, Again, we're back to being live. So I missed putting this clip at the beginning of every show, but uh, it's back uh, because, as always, this is live and anything can happen. So I defer to my good friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you haven't already. Like, subscribe, share, all those good things. Let's get this thing rolling. As always, I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. All right, before we bring in our panel, of course, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. I'm here on the Bitbo.io dashboard. We're sitting at $44,687 per coin. Uh, a single US dollar will pick you up 2,238 sats. Uh, hey, we're getting close to that uh, block 700,000. We're at 699,957. 89.58% of all Bitcoin have been mined. And in terms of fees, next block, eight sats per byte. If you're willing to wait an hour, one sat per byte will still do you. So uh, all good there. Of course, shout out to sponsors of the show, Ledin.io. You can use your Bitcoin for a variety of different services here. Uh, if you're in a pinch, you need dollars. You don't want to sell your Bitcoin, of course, because taxable event and Maybe you're worried about buy back in at a higher price. You can deposit Bitcoin, get a dollar loan to your bank account within 24 hours. And when you pay back that, you get the same number of sats. They, of course, have their savings accounts or B2X offering. All of that is linked down below. Check them out. If you're stacking sats in Canada, BitBuy is a super easy way to do it. They've got a sleek web interface. They've got a dedicated phone app that you can use. And... After your first 250 bucks, I'll give you 20 bucks for free. Not bad. Check them out. Links in the show notes. Now, I do live on Bitcoin. BitRefill really helps me with this. You can pick up any gift card your little heart desires, and you can pay via Bitcoin, main chain, or as I do, Lightning Network. Now, you do earn sats back as you shop, and they've got a killer referral program too. Uh, so if you have friends or family, you can uh, help them out by showing them where to buy gift cards with their Bitcoin, and you can get some kickbacks from that in the process. You guys know Keystone, one of my favorite most used hardware wallets. The thing is fully air-gapped, meaning you never plug it into anything internet-connected. It's all done offline via QR code, keeping your funds safe and away from shady internet connections. Uh, and it works like a charm with things like Blue Wallet and Wasabi and Spectre and Sparrow and all that good stuff. It's great in multi-sig too. So check them out. Links are below. And finally, 
If you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, get it in steel. Uh, I got to say, paper does not do you. If it's important, uh, you open up the risk of fire damage, water damage, or somebody, you know, discarding it if they aren't familiar with what it is. So uh, peace of mind with the bill foddle over at privacypros.io can help you out. Anyways, enough of my rambling. Let's bring in our panel here. Uh, we've got Mr. Greg Foss, we've got Laser Hoddle, we've got Jay Gold, and we've got Mark Moss joining us. Uh, killer panel. Gentlemen, welcome. I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to let you uh, introduce yourselves really quick. Again, let people know who you are and what you do in case they're unfamiliar. Greg, let's start with you. Welcome back, man. Can you let people know who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Nice to meet you guys, uh, Laser and uh, Jay. I've talked with you on a Spaces call, I think, and Mark... Uh, we're the Oss brothers. I'm not sure if uh, yeah. if anyone's gone that's taken that out. So, Foss and uh, Moss are the Oss brothers. Uh, I'm yeah. uh, currently in uh, Kelowna. Uh, I'm traveling across the country with my daughter, and it's amazing because uh, I posted that, and it's just been uh, people reaching out from all different angles. So yeah, I, I'm in Kelowna right now, um, but uh, I I live in Toronto. I um, I. Uh, spent my life trading credit. So I'm a, I'm a high yield bond trader and hedge fund manager retired. And then I found Bitcoin, uh, my passion to help the kids of the world, uh, have a future because our politicians are flushing that future, uh, on a daily basis. So I'm here to help, help, uh, build a community. And, uh, what I believe is the, the most promising technological innovation, uh, to solve the woes of the fiat system. Awesome. Well, Greg, I'm glad to have you back for the umpteenth time. There will be many more in the future. Uh, let's move down the line. Laser, first time on the show. I've seen you making the rounds. Let people know who you are and uh, and what you're doing in the space. Hey, pleasure to be here. My name's Laser, and um, I am just a pleb who has made a living in the software space. I'm a, I'm a thinker. I like to geek out on things, and my latest project is... Uh, Bitcoin and how it fits into the story of uh, sovereign default and monetary reset and how plebs and the space can hold these two things in their hands and make sense of them. Awesome. I love it. I'm excited to hear your insights on this show. Uh, let's move it down to Mark. Mark, take it away. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, happy to be back. I have been basically my whole career spent been investing in businesses and investing investing just for myself as well. Um, for like the last six, seven years, I've just been making content, uh, a lot of content in the crypto space the last couple of years, just in regards to Bitcoin. I'm the host of a new nationally syndicated radio show talking about Bitcoin as well. And so I'm bullish and I like to talk about it as much as I can. So I'm happy to be here. Awesome, dude. Glad to have you back. And uh, finally, another new addition to, to the show. Jay, uh, let people know who you are, what you do. Uh, entrepreneur, investor, uh, father of four, uh, got into Bitcoin 2016. Um, I started three companies that, th that I sold. Um, I built a social network, a video sharing site, and advertising network. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I also, I also host a po podcast myself. I have a YouTube channel as well. And we talk about Bitcoin. And it's called Docents. Awesome, dude. Uh, well, I'm glad to have you all. And uh, for those of you watching that aren't familiar, uh, the format of the show is very simple. We go by the three R's. One of us is going to drop a reason why we're bullish. Altogether, we're going to riff on that reason. 
and then we're going to rotate to the next person. Very, very simple. Um, and I'm going to get us started. Of course, if you're already in here, uh, I'm seeing messages in the chat pop up already. Thank you guys for being here for the live. Hit the like button, give it a share, get more eyeballs in here, and uh, let's get this thing rolling. I'm going to get us started with my reason for being bullish, and it's a headline that I saw, um, I think it dropped yesterday, and uh, I... I some of the wording I found funny, but um, I just love seeing headlines like this. And it's from CNBC. And the headline reads, El Salvador's new Bitcoin wallets could cost Western Union and similar companies $400 million a year. I saw a lot of people sharing that and saying, oh, I, I fixed that for you. Uh, could save Salvadorans $400 million in fees per year or predatory uh, fees. And uh, again, I, I echo the sentiment. And I, I think in seeing in seeing headlines like that, it, it sends out a signal uh, on two fronts. One of them is other countries in similar situations that have uh, large amounts of remittances coming through them are looking at that going, For sure. what, what piece of our GDP can we reclaim? By, by switching to this monetary network. And on uh, another front, it uh, does away with the narrative that Bitcoin is slow and expensive because of the way that we've we built out the in infrastructure of the network. We've maintained the sanctity of the base layer and haven't budged on making compromises there and still been able to achieve instant and nearly free transactions through secondary layers and do all of the things. So the, the FUD of years gone by of arguing transactions per second, that's done. It's been done for a while, but it's nice to see that recognized on a global stage now. So that is what has me bullish. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, and I'd love to hear your input. So anybody on the panel that wants to dive in here, feel free. Uh, it's a free for all. So take it away. Anybody. I'll jump in first on that. Um, I was down in El Salvador boots on the ground about six weeks ago. I just put out a documentary about what we were doing down there and um, it kind of goes into what you're talking about. So uh, yeah, on my YouTube channel, just Mark Moss, you can see that documentary. Um, but basically we took, went down to um, El Salvador, and um, we were giving them, uh, we handed out phones that actually had an app that could open up, do micro tasks, do the job and get paid instantly. Um, and so I got to see firsthand how much of an impact that's making. Um, you know, being in the little town of um, Bitcoin Beach, they're about two hours from town. So if I sent them money via Western Union, they'd have to ride a bus two hours in the town, get the money, ride two hours back on a bus with the money, probably get robbed on the bus with the money. Um, and so to be able to get it instantly and with no government in the middle, that was the big piece that really resonated with me. Uh, I didn't realize how hard it is for people to get bank accounts down there. Um, you know, like just in the United States, we have to pay a fee, 15 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month to have a bank account. You carry balances, they waive the fees, but they don't carry balances down there. And they can't afford to pay 25 to 50 bucks a month for bank accounts. So guess what? They don't have bank accounts. And so um, when you understand the problem that really these countries are facing, which is a lot different than America and Canada, you realize just how big that Western Union news is. Saves them four or five hours round trip on the bus, saves them the risk of being robbed, and they don't have bank accounts. So now they can send and receive digital payments. It's a whole new world, and it's a 10,000x it's a improvement. 
So you guys are all businessmen, investors. Small incremental improvements don't move the needle. A 10,000 times improvement cannot be stopped. And so I'm bullish. And how, how limp and tone deaf was the, uh, the headline? It was um, Western Union could lose uh, 400 million a year, <laughs> you know. And the, the real headline, of course, is um, uh, families could save 400 million a year. El Salvador will gain 400 million. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's just, it's really incredible that, you know, there was this fluster. They're trying to hack away at the excitement of it, trying to portray it as a, a failure. And yet, uh, the the excitement really just came out on top. You could see these name brands, McDonald's, Starbucks, Pizza Hut. You could see that, you know, the receipts with, uh, you know, uh, negligent fees, almost, you know, you could ba barely detect the fees. And it was, it's, it completely killed uh, that narrative, that idea that this couldn't be used in a society for for savings and payments. And the folks that say like, oh, okay, in 10 years, you're going to be, you know, really regret that you bought a, a Big Mac with that. Well, compared to what? If you're in El Salvador, compared to what? Compared to definitely losing, you know, 50% purchasing power a year throughout the rest of uh, the next, you know, eight years monetary reset. So compared with what? That that seems um, a world of a lot better. You get the sureness of being able to know that your savings and your economic life is not being uh, manipulated by government. So I think huge success. Yeah, and let's not forget that if people want, they can like they they can receive and store value in dollars if they choose to, but they're just benefiting from from the monet from the the network, the payments network that is the Bitcoin Lightning network. So they're they're able to opt into whatever, you know, either of the legal tenders in El Salvador and still be saving that, you know, whatever that percentage uh cut would have been from using western union as well the um the interesting thing guys uh i uh i don't know mark if you met the guys from chiva wallet down there um from yep. ibex mercado did you meet carlinos and uh yep. jose and okay so uh i love those guys i, I took them surfing almost drowned them but they, they made it <laughs> okay i love it i love it so uh uh, I'm actually a huge support, uh, fan of theirs. Um, they uh, reached out to me in Bitcoin Miami. Um, I gave a keynote speech to them and uh, to their to their uh, a group of merchants, and uh, I was doing it from Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, um, and it was just really really cool. And these guys showed me in real life how you can. Uh, they actually have a slider on their uh, on their app that determines what percentage of the payment is done in Bitcoin, uh, how much the merchant keeps if it's a hundred percent or zero or some mix of that. So huge, uh, huge um, uh, applicability, uh, friendliness. They're showing. They they give the QR code out. They show the receipt. It's absolutely brilliant. These are young kids, boots on the ground that are doing real life stuff, and they're from Guatemala. And when I called them out on stage in Guatemala and Bitcoin Miami, uh, I had no idea that Jack Mahler six hours later was going to onboard a country uh, for, on the same stage. And it was only a three hour drive from Guatemala. So these guys are, you know, they were focused on Guatemala and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're thrust into that, uh, the uh, 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 El Zante and, uh, and El, El Salvador. But here's the cool thing about Western Union or not the cool thing. 
Uh, I was on stage at uh, at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, and I basically called them out. I said, look, as a former hedge fund manager, I'm, I'm all in short Western Union. I mean, that's the simplest short I've seen in a long time. Their <laughs> stock price is a, is a bagel. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the biggest holders are BlackRock and Vanguard. Okay, now these are BlackRock and Vanguard are ETFs. This is nothing. This is passive investing. These are stupid, stupid money. It's in an ETF that is allocated to its percentage weighting in Western Union in the S&P 500. Okay, that is brought up by this guy, uh, Aaron uh, Siegel, who today posted that ETF investing is communism. And I actually believe that in a little in a, in a little uh, in a way that passive investing leads to inefficient allocation of capital. And this is exactly yeah. what's happened in Western Union. OK, so at the end of the day, Western Union is a short. OK, it's a core short in a hedge fund portfolio. I would be out there advocating that they are in trouble. Creative destruction is the basis of capitalism. And guess what, Western Union, you're going to be creatively destructed. Uh, what are some other countries that are going to benefit from that? Tonga. Okay. Tonga has the yes. highest percentage of GDP in remittances. And we have a very smart prince over there that is advocating the use of Bitcoin. It's just a matter of time before everybody, all of these countries understand the, uh, the implications of a percentage of GDP, like that's that's growth right to the bottom line, right? Think of yourself, Jay knows this, you're running a company and all of a sudden you're shaving off 20% of a, an EBITDA cost that is, they, they had, if I'm not mistaken, it's 20% fees of a 20% GDP. That's how they get their 4% GDP growth, right? 20% mm. times 20% is 4%. Hey, that I, I have a couple of bars in Montreal. I promise you, I hate paying MasterCard and Visa merchant fees, 1.5%. Don't you think I'm going to start looking at Bitcoin and mm. my guys? It's the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you're a country or a company. This is bullish. I love your thought. Greg, Greg, I'm curious. How long do you think it takes for the other countries? To, did they have to see some history here to say we should think about this? Are they watching and, and monitoring this? I, I'll flip it on its ear. Great question. How long in business does it take a competitor to say, hey, somebody else is doing this. I better smarten up. Well, I can tell you I'm in tech, so I would move fast and break things. I don't know how the other folks are doing. I, I right, hope so. it, this guy, this guy, uh, the president, 40 years old. He made old. a lot of mistakes. Well, that's all good too, right? Look, this is what happens, you know? But at the end of the day, the uh, I think it's going to happen faster, Jay. And the interesting thing is that countries are now leapfrogging hedge funds and companies. Yeah. And that right. is huge. Jay, I, I, yeah, you want me to go? Okay. I like the Lightning Network um, down there, McDonald's, Starbucks, and interesting. You guys are talking about that, so you kind of stole my thunder. I guess the next thing I would say I'm really bullish about is uh, just look at the on-chain analysis. I know you don't really talk about price too much, but to me, um, right now, I was talking to Will Clemente, and um, this is what he said, and I just love it. He said to me, coins continue to get locked up by both the long-term hodlers and the whales alike this week, including a spike. Let me just get my thing here. Uh, in both uh, for Tuesday's liquidation cascade. And he says to me, it's that this is macro as fuck is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> uh, short term could have a retracement, obviously, to 4042. Um, who gives a fuck? Um, Willie Wu, saying, echoing very similar sentiments, was saying, uh, and I like this. This is I'm pretty bullish on this. Um, investors with limited history of selling any ultimate diamond hands. I think he said it differently. And that in uh, hardly ever sell. 
It's an all-time high. Uh, three, three ramifications, he says. This is a newsletter. Uh, now is the low-risk time to accumulate Bitcoin. The bull market, number two, is unlikely to end in 2021. Absent a macroeconomic development, the Fed tapering. This is the risk. Um, nothing like long-term risk, but short-term risk, right? Demand supply factors continue to point to a bull market as well in 2022. Um, and then also he said, number three, this is the first quantitative data that suggests that the four-year cycle nature of the bull bear market may break down. Typically, the supply shock model is found at the bottom of the bear market. This indicates that the majority of the market expects long-term growth well into 2022, um, driven by the on-chain analysis and data rather. Um, you know, and a lot of Bitcoiners, I think they don't really look at the Fed. I talk to people that go, ah, Bitcoin doesn't care about the Fed. <laughs> it's like, well, mm -hmm. just to be clear, and Greg, you probably attest, everybody cares about the Fed. You can't yeah. fight the Fed. Um, you, ultimately, you're all right about that. It doesn't fucking matter long term, right? It really doesn't. But in the short term, it can have a, it could have an issue. We could actually crash all the way down below 40,000 if they start to taper and it gets aggressive. We saw what happened in 2018. We saw what happened in 2020 in the stock market. We also saw that that's not uncorrelated to people used to think um, last year, right? We dropped down to 3,800. So I definitely think that there is short-term risks with the Fed and what's happening with their policy and how they may how the markets may react to that. But I'm bullish as fuck long-term. And I actually pretty bullish as fuck right now when you look at what sorry i'm saying fuck <laughs> but i am bullish as fuck um, nothing when you look nothing, at the on chain nothing analysis yeah, yeah just keep it mute on my ass <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah nothing off limits here um yeah i mean here's the beauty of of being uh long well just in general being in bitcoin understanding the the value proposition here and understanding you know with its success where it's going is is regardless of what's going short term, you were talking about, oh, well, maybe uh, pullbacks to 4042. Sure. I mean, Bitcoiners well, are. Go, are if the Fed does what the Fed was saying, it could drop down to the high 20s or something like that. I'm not well, predicting that. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying it's exactly. a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so Bitcoiners look at that and they think, oh, cheap sats, right? Like that's. But, but, but let's be clear, right? Let's be, let's be really clear about that. You say Bitcoiners say that. I'm in Clubhouse, I, I, have, I host clubs in there all the time. And um, we get a lot of the newbies, right? We get the plebs that are coming into the market. The, the risk in this crap with the Fed is that you shake them, they're weak hands, they lose money, they get a gap, they lose coins that they otherwise would have had. That's the problem with the price action is that people that don't have long-term convictions that haven't been in for a while, they get shaken out. And they may not come back in for a while and there's a gap, right? They lose. And that's that's yeah. the problem. I'm not, I, listen, if you understand Bitcoin, you're not doing that, right? Once you understand it, you're like, it doesn't matter. This is all noise, right? So this is why most of the time it doesn't make sense to talk about this. It does make sense to talk about it for the people that are getting into Bitcoin for their first time. This is their first cycle. It's mm -hmm. important for them to understand and understand the conviction from folks like you, you know? True. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's getting over those hurdles for those newbies, getting them to understand exactly. uh, the, the long term so that they're no longer because, I mean, everybody's brought up in this this fiat world where, you know, they're looking to make short term dollar denominated gains and they don't realize the the life sucking <laughs> that is happening Absolutely. as they're holding those dollars long term. Um, it, it's it takes it takes experience to switch your brain to a sat standard and stop looking at the the dollar um denomination of of bitcoin in terms of like oh what's what's my price target to sell uh if you're thinking that and you're thinking in days weeks months or even years uh you're you're probably thinking about it 
wrong. Yeah, I um, totally agree with you. I mean, Michael Seller says if you're not buying Bitcoin on a 10-year time horizon, then don't buy it for 10 minutes, right? It yeah. just doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, at least a, at least a four-year, right? I think is the time. It's you've never had a loss more than four years. But to your point, Jay, that's something I was uh you know pretty con pretty concerned with. Uh, obviously, when the news went live of El Salvador the, or the law went into effect on the seventh, when we had that big drop off, right? And I don't know, was that a buy the rumor, sell the news event? Uh, was it? Was it manipulation? Did the IMF try to take it down? We saw DDoS attacks on some big exchanges, um, you know. But regardless of what it was, maybe it was just you know we had a forty-five, we had a seventy-five percent run-up in forty-five days. Maybe needed a breather, whatever it may be. But yeah. I was afraid of the people, or all of those. But I was afraid for the people who just got airdropped thirty dollars in Bitcoin, and now it's twenty dollars right. worth. And so like that's like the first impression, right? So you don't get yeah. the second chance to make the first impression. So like their first impression is like, shoot, it was thirty dollars worth, now it's twenty. Um, so. <laughs> Um, I get it, right? For the short term, for those new people, it's it's uh, it can be traumatic. So yeah, passive also, investors, sorry, passive yeah. investors who are in, um, who have been lulled into a false sense of security, watching the Fed, it's you need to zoom out a little and realize that as the center of gravity of uh, money printing moves off the Fed and towards the IMF, as the IMF uses vaccines as a device to introduce SDRs into the balance sheets of nations. Um, as uh, the Fed starts to buy more and more of uh, the U.S.'s debt and foreigners buy less and less, the ability to export that inflation, import deflation, and, and basically keep that orderly market that, that passive investors have, have come to trust, that is fading away. And so you actually need to be thinking in terms of covering your downside um, and, and, and thinking through sort of a reset, thinking through um, the space between two eras. And so um, I think, you know, it makes sense that people watch the Fed, but but their ability to actually do anything is fading. I would absolutely concur, Laser. Well said. I don't believe the Fed can taper, okay? Um, it's agree. only mathematics. Uh, in fact, I would go out on They've a limb and say they... have done dumb things before, Greg. You've seen it. <laughs> well, okay, they'll try. They're also yeah, yeah. right now ho hostage to the stock market, though, Jay. That's, That's right. the only thing that, they, yep. like, look, all pensions funds are actually in a surplus right now or in, in the best shape due to the performance of the equity market. Bonds are absolutely fiat contracts. They're programmed to debase. There is no return left in bonds. High yield bonds have a negative real return before expected default losses, guys. You got, you got to run through how stupid this is that <laughs> high-yield bond investors are only asking for 3.87% annually before expected default losses. Guys, that's a cost of the high-yield market. There is where, no where, does that, where does that money move? Because it's going to move, right? So where's the next I, asset? My whole is? thesis is if you own credit, you need to own Bitcoin. And this is how markets develop over time, Jay. And unfortunately, there are going to be short-term traders that get washed out, but that's actually healthy for a market, okay? Right. And leverage getting on, taken out of a market is very healthy. And you see mm -hmm. the stats that these, these uh, unchained analyses can, can show, the leverage coming out of the system. It's so healthy in Bitcoin to know those statistics and see BitMEX get liquidated. $800 million of selling in BitMEX 
on, on forced liquidations. My God, if you had that information in real time for some of the calamities that I've lived through in, 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 in leverage unwinds in traditional markets, we wouldn't have those leverage unwinds, painful events like the great financial crisis in 2008. So this is part of a market. But Jay, you're absolutely right. In the short term, in the event of a risk off trade, Right now, Bitcoin does go down. But over time, I actually think it goes up when volatility increases. Because what is Bitcoin? It's actually a long vol position. You're actually, uh, you are short credit. And when you're short credit, you are long volatility. And that's what Bitcoin is. It's a short credit trade, meaning you are shorting credit. You absolutely think that credit is programmed to debase. And the funny thing is, when people get into Bitcoin, and let's say they do get up to a 5% weighting in their portfolio, my God, it's as if they forget about what the other 95% of their portfolio is in, and they're only focused on this 5%. It's like the most retarded thing. I can honestly tell you, Ben, I did not look at the price of Bitcoin today, okay? I swear to you, and then you brought up Bitbo.io, and it gives me a, a chance to shout out my two Canadian buddies that have the best, absolutely the best uh, dashboard for Bitcoin anywhere in the world, and that's Chris Gimmer and, and, and Mark, who, who, who designed the Bitbo.io dashboard, okay? But don't look at these intraday trades. This is a rounding error, okay? And when I get my chance to riff on why I'm so bullish, I'm going to tell you why that you don't look at price action between 40000 and 50000 That's for knuckleheads. <laughs> Greg, before we move on, Mark said something about why Bitcoin recently dropped. I thought it had a lot, a lot less to do with any manipulation or anything within Bitcoin. I thought it had more to do with like the just the economy in general. You had bad jobs report. You had... There was a variety yeah. of things that just came out. It you know what it was? Right? It was the yeah. options market. The option yeah. market yeah. was skewed to the bullish side. Okay. Yeah. You had a futures unwind. You had BitMEX 100 times leverage. And all of this was documented yeah. by guys like Will Clement. Okay. Yeah. Guys yeah. like Dylan LeClaire that take yeah. this data. And I look at this and I'm like, this is magnificent. This is clarity. Right. This is transparency. This is exactly <laughs> what you need from markets. And it's part of developing a market. You know the expression, Jay, you've lived it, bulls, bears, and pigs, right? Yep. You need guys that are bulls. You need guys that are bears because that's what makes a market. And then pigs, they get they slaughtered. Get and anybody <laughs> who comes in to, to be a pig in this market, guess what? You're getting carted off the floor. And you See, know that's uh, going to be the hedge funds because they're trying to use this to boost their uh, returns right now. I, right now, I they're using you, it. Now. I promise you as a former hedge fund manager, this would be a core portfolio holding yep. forever because the math is just too darn uh, but you know your 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 counterparts in the industry are they doing that or are they using it as because when i talked to scaramucci he's like they're going to use it to boost returns they're trading around this and they're also this is another point they're using the the lack of a wash sale rule here to to okay. offset the gains on their other Here's the, uh, assets jay yeah. you know this right in a core holding, you always trade. You always yep. trade a core holding. I'm talking professionally here. I'm not talking yep. mom and pop retail. A core hedge fund trade, you all, excuse me, holding, you always trade. Why? Because yeah. sometimes you can pick some stuff up and sometimes you, you know, so there's an expression. When everyone's selling, yelling, you're in there selling. When everyone's crying, you're in there buying. And when you have the chance to be a buyer when people are crying, you don't want to be 100% allocated to your core holding. You need to have that flex. And it's just part of a market that develops over time. And I honestly believe, Jay, and I've written a paper on this, 
I believe within the next 10 years, Bitcoin will be a risk off long trade, meaning when the market and when VIX is exploding and credit is getting destroyed, people are running to Bitcoin for shelter. They're not selling it. Since, since we have you here, your background, I'm, I'm sorry to take up the stage here, guys, but That's I'm just okay. curious what you think of wash sales and how it relates to the volatility within Bitcoin with the way it's being probably manipulated so to we, offset the gains. Here's the neat thing, okay? So we, I was part of a founding uh group in Canada that got the uh, approval of the OSC to issue a closed end Bitcoin fund. And now Canada has Bitcoin ETFs. And yeah. one of the biggest problems with the regulators was they were concerned about this wash trading. Mm -hmm. And we were able to document without a doubt to show the regulators that it is absolutely not an issue. Really? Okay. So every these are the fudster. Okay. These are the Fudsters. We convinced the Ontario regulators. We took them to court. We won. And how did we win? We brought facts to the, to the, to the uh, table. You show, and this is what's beautiful about Bitcoin. You can see the transactions. It's transparent, it's yeah. transparent and mm -hmm. you can't argue. And they're not, so, they're, so then based on the transaction, look at the on-chain, they're not doing what we suspect that they're doing, which is selling and There's driving it down. There's always parts of it, but my God, right. if you think that's a problem, go, not to, your common, your, go, go to your common trading, your 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 flash traders and your your guys that right. that pay for order flow. Jim Simon. And, and ask yourselves, you know, what what is more, what is actually more detrimental, you know, paying for uh, options order flow or, uh, or some of these potential wash trades. But uh, over to you, Ben, I don't want to take, you know, Great questions, Jay. Like you guys sorry. are. No, no, man. <laughs> no, are, it's good. I'm asking me, questions instead of answering them. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me let me add a piece in. So that that transparency has to be very scary to central planners because these smaller games. You have the the uh, investors holding passive. Um, you have shit coiners um, uh, pretending to own pictures of rocks. You have. Um, hedge funds playing a bigger game on top of that. But all of these fit inside an even bigger game of central banks and the sovereign nations on their balance sheets. And and basically the the execution of a um, an orderly transition from the old monetary system to the new monetary system. We're in the middle of the largest sovereign default of all time. And typically what happens is they want to carefully manage the fallout of, of confidence in government money. And, and that's an acceptable thing because they're able to launch a new system and transition people into it. And so they restore the confidence in government money. But the problem they're going to have is that investors are going to, um, they're going to look at Bitcoin and they're going to see this transparent market, uh, free market evolving. And they're going to have to hold that in one hand while the government is promising them a, a, a new bucket of um of monetary trust and you're going to know that the bucket is not transparent you're going to know that the bucket of trust will not last mm -hmm. that's a huge problem for sovereign nations and if you use credit default swaps which is my you know background to value bitcoin using current open market rates on the chance of default by various sovereign nations bitcoin's intrinsic value today is worth over $150,000 per Bitcoin. And that will change in value as the CDS market starts to incorporate higher chances of default over time for various nations. And everyone says, oh, don't worry, the US won't default. And right now it's a very low probability, but you can argue that 1971 was actually a default, but not even going there. How about this guys? I have been alive and 
during my trading career, Argentina has defaulted three times in my career. And guess what? Argentina is a G20 nation. We're not talking about one of those G150. We're talking about a G20 nation. And then you go further down the road and you look at Canada. And Canada has a mystical AAA credit rating with a prime minister who's about as stupid as they come. Okay, so we have the stupidest prime minister in the history of mathematics. Okay, and we have a AAA credit rating. But guess what? You look at the credit default swap market and they say, no, 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 no. Canada's trading much closer to a single A default probability. And if Justin Trudeau even understood what that meant, he would shut his trap when he talks about, I don't have to worry about monetary policy. I care more about families. We got to get that guy out of office, okay? Because oh if he was God. a CEO, if he was a CEO, he'd be fired on the spot, okay? Budgets do not balance themselves, Mr. Trudeau. You were a loser. You were born on third base, and you think you hit a triple. <laughs> Greg, today I have a I have in laws and that live up in uh, Canada. My sister in law and brother in law. I sense my brother in law. He works for ICE. He's an executive at ICE. Um, houses should sit empty when so many Canadians oh, are trying yeah. to buy a home. This is fucking crazy. So we're going to ban foreign ownership in Canada for the next two years and yeah. tax the existing vacant foreign owned properties. You, you would think that someone hacked his account and made this shit up. Like I you, thought this it was is coming joke. from a I prime minister. I thought it was a joke. I thought it's it unbelievable. Was a joke. Well, when you realize that Canada is pretty much a communist nation now, it's not that surprising, I guess. It's uh, hey, Greg, just real quick though, like, um, you know, Obviously, the bond market is uh, completely manipulated. I mean, you got the Fed buying 85% of the bond issuance. So, like, who knows? There's no price discovery there. How is the CDS market? Is there better price discovery there? Oh, 100%. Or is that just That's all open market. It's traded by sophisticated institutional investors that needs what's called an ISDA, an International Swaps Dealer Association advocate. Advocate. Now, the problem is some of these ISDAs are signed for uh, family offices like that guy uh, uh, that... Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of his fund that uh, he, he had too many ISDAs with the various uh, Wall Street counterparties and he was actually levered up the wazoo. The guy that uh, uh, Bill, somebody, Bill Huang or something like that, his family oh, office. Right. Uh, uh, anyway, look, uh, CDS is a non-manipulated market to a large extent. You can't get a government going in there. Imagine you get a government going in there. Hey, I'm the USA and I want to sell. I mean, I want to buy default protection on myself. Holy fuck, this is like a pyromaniac that what that says, hey, I want to buy fire insurance on the house down the street so I can yeah. fucking go and blow that thing up. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen. There is counterparty risk. And this is what it, it, you know, in the great financial crisis of 2008, you had early warning systems coming from the credit market and the equity market was like, oh, don't worry. The Fed's going to cut rates. Everything's fine. And don't remember. Remember when Jim Cramer had his meltdown in 2008 and or 2007, he goes, they have no idea. They have no idea. And that poor girl, Aaron, was like, Jim, 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 now Jim, now Jim, Jim, Jim. And they finally cut and equity markets rallied to a new high. But credit markets were calling them out. Nothing improved in the credit markets. And six months later, we were at the depths of I, I, I leverage under unwind. Don't look to equity markets, guys. They have no clue what's going on. They're traded by stupid people they and really stupid are. trees grow to the moon ideals. Look to the credit markets. Credit always holds the clue. And Mark just brought up, you know, that the Fed and, and it is in the bond markets, in the cash bond markets. Yeah, it's bought high yield. Yes, it's uh, manipulating the 10-year rate. Guess what? 
Don't look there. Look in the CDS markets. Look at China. And we'll bring up Evergrande later, right, Ben? Why? Because contagion, contagion in credit and the confidence in the credit system is all that matters. And when that unravels, it's over, guys. And equity is the tail and credit is the dog. And the tail gets flung around like a rag doll. And equity has no idea what's happening. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's happening? And it's the credit guys that are in there shorting the shit out of the stock because the bonds are getting destroyed. And if the bonds aren't worth 100 cents on the dollar, the stock is worth zero. So, hey, it's a fun game. It's not a game for juniors. This is a real life game. And the Fed has no clue who they're up against half the time. Greg, let's use this opportunity to to foray into uh, into your reason, just because I I know that we're uh, uh, we started touching on it here. We may as well. So somebody was was speaking with me earlier. I was on a clubhouse room and uh, and they had some questions, and I kind of gave you a heads up. But anyways, uh, Greg, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it to you for your reason for being bullish but i i think that you might uh lean towards uh the evergrande stuff a yeah, little bit yeah. in there. not not so okay so here's the thing so look we said we wouldn't bring up price but i need to bring up a gentleman by the name of urian timmer uh do you guys know who that is he's the head of research at fidelity yep. okay and he's yep. a great guy i met him down in in uh Bretton woods but uh, i have a very good friend who uh who's worked at fidelity for many years ran canada and I uh, love some. And Urian published some research on Bitcoin price potential. Have you guys seen this? He calls for Bitcoin price. Now, I'll couch this by saying when I was at Bretton Woods, I threw out a, my price target mm -hmm. on Bitcoin, which is over $2 million of Bitcoin. And I laid out how I get there. And it's not hard. And someone said, well, Foss, have you seen what Urian? And I said, I didn't. And I read his research. He says that Bitcoin can potentially ha hit 1 billion US dollars per Bitcoin. And I'm like, Jesus, Murphy. And he, 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 he backed off that a little bit. He's calling for a range between 1 million and 1 billion. And I'm sort of like, okay, that's cool. I guess you can put that sort of uh, guardrail. Okay, how about that? But listen, how do you get to a billion? I don't even know. The reality is, though, first of all, this is fidelity. This ain't Greg Foss, okay? This well, is he fidelity. He, he used the uh, stock to flow model. It's I mean, I did, a, I did, a, I, okay. I got his whole, I got his whole slide deck leaked, and I did a whole YouTube video, and I broke down every slide that he had presented. Okay. Um, so he was using the stock to flow model um, for that price prediction, which got to like a hundred, uh, one Bitcoin being a hundred million dollars. Well, here's the neat thing, Mark. The cool thing is, if he puts it out. You don't take it as gospel. You put your own probability distribution on that bad yeah. boy. And you say, what percent is the market charging me right now for it to hit that price target? And the balance is it goes to zero. So here's my price target. Okay. You're in. I love you, man. A billion is pretty darn aggressive. But even yeah. at two million bucks a Bitcoin, which is my price target, I can back out a probability right now that the market is giving me a 98% chance it's going to zero and only a 2% chance it's going to my price target of 2 million bucks. And I'm like, damn, I yeah. love those odds. I'm a buyer, okay? Because I think it's going to 2 million, but I'm not 100% certain. But that being said, if the market's only saying it's 2% likely, I'm way higher than 2% that it's going to 2 million. 
Well, what about 1 billion? I don't even have to come to work. I'll just tell you that if Bitcoin is trading below 1 million today and your price target is 1 billion, you're probably doing a good thing at buying it at a million bucks. So look, the point is this, it's a price target. I came from the trading uh, uh, community. Here's a funny thing I'm gonna tell you, right? When you exceed your risk limits and they call it a, they, they call it a, a limit, the traders announcement was limit, damn it. I thought it was a target, meaning uh, you wanted me to put this much risk in my book. You know what I mean? So it's not a limit, it's a target. Well, look, Urian, yours isn't a limit, it's a target, okay? And at the end of the day, does it matter whether it's a 0.0001% chance that it hits that target? It's bigger than zero. And it was published by Fidelity. So I'm bullish on that basis because of who published it. But let's move back into the non-price. Here's what really got me bullish. You guys know who Blockstream is? Mm -hmm. Adam Back. Oh, yeah. You know, Adam yeah. Back, one of the OGs. Of he just raised 210 million bucks. <laughs> Okay, valuing his company at over $3 billion. And some of the use of proceeds is going to go into ASIC manufacturing. Wow. In North America. We need that. You tell me that's not friggin' good. And by that's the way, Adam Back yeah. may be smarter than Michael Saylor. I'm not going to call out who is smarter. I'm just going to say they're both in the same level of Taylor? super, super <laughs> fucking IQ. I'm just a regular guy. I can do some math. <laughs> I can look at guys and say, hey, show me the info. I'll tell you how to trade it, okay? How come? Because I change my mind when the information changes. Yeah. I'm not Peter Schiff, okay? <laughs> I take information and I can change my mind when the info changes. But Adam Back and Blockstream and ASIC chip manufacturing, this is part of the whole uh, ecosystem that Bitcoin opens up. Bitcoin is digital energy. You're going to see energy companies investing in Bitcoin mining with excess energy resources. And all of a sudden, it's going to be game on between the countries. And if I can get the province of Alberta finally to understand how valuable their natural resources are, despite what the idiot prime minister in Canada says, <laughs> my God, we may be able to get Alberta as being a Canadian province that thinks like El Salvador. What a beautiful province. I passed through it yesterday and today. Okay. Alberta rocks. Okay. Alberta friggin' rocks. And I want Alberta to compete with Texas on the Bitcoin mining stage globally. Yeah. So do I. I would love to see that play out in my own province. I love seeing uh, Steve Barber and what he's doing here with Upstream. Yeah. Um, I think he's. Uh, He's a godsend to the region because uh, I agree with that. And he, he and we're doing the same thing at Validus Power, right? I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you know that I'm involved in that company, but we have sold we have two gigawatts of power to sell to Bitcoin Damn. miners. Two mm -hmm. gigs. Okay. And by the way, the flows coming out of China, yeah, they're real. All right. There yeah. is a, a transfer from west to uh, some from east to west of the most valuable technology. If the U.S. doesn't understand that they have just been presented a gift from China, that they can actually take a pure store of value used as a savings account, as a global reserve asset called Bitcoin and continue to use their crappy fiat as a global reserve currency. As their checking account, so your savings account is your Bitcoin, your checking account, the U.S. can actually skate themselves on side.
Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I like what you brought up about the, the, the ASIC manufacturing, because that was, that was a, a, not a lot of people like to admit it, but that was a pain point, right? We having a lot of that fabrication happening in, in China, almost exclusively in China or a large percentage of it was, was, uh, you know, it, having that outside of that that those borders and having some of it come to Canada to the US and and around the world it's just it's the network doing what the hash rate has done over time because again hash rate um, mining pools and everything there was there was a degree of centralization in in China and uh, earlier on amongst just singular mining pools. Um, we saw, I think it was 2014 or 15, I think maybe 15 where ghash.io, they had over 51% of, of the, the hash rate very briefly. But then luckily because it was decentralized enough, individuals with hash rate moved to other pools to help mitigate that risk. Um, but we've seen that, that hash rate get further and further uh, from a, a threat of 51%. And we're, we're seeing other aspects of the network decentralized as well. Uh, you know, the actual hash rate where it's located, the, the, the mining itself, and now chip fabrication. So, you're right. I'm I'm very excited about the the blockstream developments. They've got a, a good number of things. They're, they're dabbling in a little bit of everything. Um, we, but can we get our antibiotics and penicillin over here too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the mining story is so critical to get right, and especially as it pertains to um, defending and protecting the sovereignty uh, uh, aspect of the value proposition of Bitcoin. You know, hopefully uh, bringing that development into a company like Blockstream, which is highly um, aligned with the ethos of, of Bitcoin. Hopefully we can see things like um, open chipsets that 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 have auditable architecture where you don't have um, binary blobs hidden inside. Hopefully we can see things like the commoditization of guerrilla mining, uh, home mining, where folks can where we can further decentralize uh, mining throughout. Um, homes. Hopefully we see further integration with their satellite network so that we can know as a, as a, as a community that Bitcoin could um, withstand um, a, a network partition uh, between a continents or a mass power outage event. So my hope is if we move the mining development closer to the, um, the dis where the, the, the discussion of Bitcoin happens, that we'll be able to cover these use cases and, and, and defend sovereignty going forward. The other thing I would add to that, um, just about staying on the mining, for example, uh, <clears throat> for a minute, you know, especially laser and I, we talk a lot about, um, this kind of revolution cycle that we're in where we're kind of going from right now, like peak centralization and going back to like decentralization cycle. And if you think about like the Bitcoin mining specifically, <clears throat> the way that the world was formed today, which is based off of like countries with natural resources. So those who have oil, gold, minerals, et cetera. But now with Bitcoin, it's it's going to decentralize that. It's going to mix up the whole world order. So we're already seeing that in El Salvador, for example, where they don't really have any natural resources, which is one reason why they're so poor. But they do have a volcano with a bunch of energy. <laughs> 
right? And typically that energy wouldn't be worth anything to them, but today it could be. Or like I'm a surfer, I travel to the South Pacific a lot. A lot of those islands are on volcanoes. There's no natural product or resources on those islands, but now they could tap into that energy, which was never valuable before. They could start doing Bitcoin mining, et cetera. And so I think we'll really start to see that distribute uh, more evenly across the world, uh, which will then further decentralize kind of the, the, the natural resources and the kind of power graphs on a global scale. That stranded energy story is so critical too, because um, as these ESGs emerge, which are basically their soft money incentives created by the money printer, those will create a gravity to them and it will pull the mining industry closer to the state. And so you need a counterbalance to that. And this stranded energy um, story is a very good counterbalance because if you're, let's say you're a fund manager of very large monies, what, what we want as Bitcoiners is that fund manager to have to choose between, okay, so you have one mining um, investment, which is uh, pitching to you that, hey, they have awesome unit economics because they are very close to the money printer, right? And you go, okay, that's something. But then you have another uh, investor that's pitching to you that, look, we're actually immune uh, to the money printer. When the money printer fails, we will have continuity. So that's exactly what we want. We want the, the soft money incentives of the money printer to serve to create an unstoppable mining industry. And so without that story, you don't get that outcome. So it's extremely bullish. I, I often say, right, guys, if you're Vlad Putin and you're selling your valuable natural resources for uh, debasing fiat dollars, you got to be scratching your head. Don't you think that Vlad should actually start pricing his natural resources in Bitcoin? Wouldn't that be the revolution that changes Bitcoin to being the reserve asset of the world? Very we, simple. We had, Digital energy had. for natural resource energy. I think they're yep. stacking. I think that I think they're all stacking, to be honest. Um, I, I think it's a matter of who says so first. Yeah, we, we had wouldn't people. They be buying, in, wouldn't you see that in the price movement if they're stacking? They print their own money. They could just buy as much as they want. They could. I mean, I don't, I don't think we would have saw that in price. No, the on-chain data would probably show that too, right? Yeah, they kind of it'd be hard with it. To, they'd have to give up the the wallet address. I I don't think they are laser, uh, only because I think as Jay points out, they might get a few here and there, but in order to move the needle, you would see a price gap up. I I've said this yep. before, and some guys call me Gap Daddy Foss. I thought they were talking <laughs> about the space in my teeth, but no, they were actually talking about my price projection. If the first central bank comes out and say. It's and I want it to up. be Canada. Hey, we own Canada has good, zero yeah, gold good reserves. Luck that. No, I know. I agree. We have zero <laughs> gold reserves, though. Okay. Well, that's, they're, they're just, Canada has zero gold reserves. I mean, as a Canadian, that pains me given the amount of gold mineral uh, production we do in Canada. But, you know, we yeah. have a bunch of fools running this country. That's pretty clear. I would love some smart guy like Pierre Poilievre to uh, to embrace Bitcoin. Uh, hey, Pierre, uh, good luck in the election. Jeff Booth <laughs> and I are huge fans of his, as you guys know. Um, honest to God, if he gets into power, I think there will be a time where Canada takes this seriously. So, you know, let's get it happening. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's thought provoking and Canada has a lot of natural resources. And I'd love to see some of those natural resources going into stacking Bitcoin. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I, I think I'm going to I'm going to wrap this topic here and and keep it rolling. Um, but I, I love what you're saying. And, and um, you know, with with laser mentioning, um, uh, you know, the possibility of nation states stacking, I think, you know, we, we've seen them 
uh, still stuck uh, in in the past. They are there is a, a more gold hoarding going on. Keep it simple in the chat. Said they're stacking gold. Peter Schiff is advising mm -hmm. the old guard. Mm -hmm. um, so there there is that. Um, but I, I think at some point it that that signal gets through um, and 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 people wrecking. I mean, we did. We had the first nation state uh, by the dip the other day. So, I mean, yeah. it is, it's, it's a gradual process where we're, we'll see more of that in the future, but it, it'll take some time. So, um, I, Mark, I want to pop pass it towards you okay. and I, I, and, and I want to, uh, let you kind of take it away with your reason for being bullish. I'm not sure yeah. if it's going to be a, a clean segue or not, but, uh, no, to you, for man. sure. It's always, yeah. Clean segue. I would say what I'm the most bullish on. I'm going to start back to where I was in El Salvador and I'm going to bring it forward a little bit. But um, so I was down there six weeks ago. Uh, we dropped off these phones. They opened up an app. Um, they put in a unique code I gave them. Um, they were able to do a micro task and they got paid in Bitcoin instantly. And I knew how it was going to work. I went down there to do that. But to see it in action was different. And in my instant, my first thought was like, the governments can't stop this. It was just like all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, like, there was no job application. I don't know their name, address, phone number, social security. There's no KYC. I don't even have an anonymous username. I didn't ask them their name. I didn't get an email. I, they didn't even have a username. And then they were able to do the job and get paid with no bank account. And they can go spend the Bitcoin anywhere in town. And so I thought like, wait a minute, the government wasn't anywhere in the middle of this, which then the next thought is, well, then why do they need to be? Well, which of course they don't need to be, which means they won't be. And so that was kind of my big like uh, like aha moment. Um, and then as over the last couple of weeks, I've been continuing to see this. So, for example, I was at Bitblock Boom in Dallas a few weeks ago. They had the um, they had a, a hackathon a couple of days before, and seeing some of the technology that's being built on Bitcoin. A phone. Someone designed a phone that can call over the Bitcoin network. <laughs> like Bitcoin isn't just digital cash. It's not just digital gold. It's not just a commodity. It's software, right? It's a network. And someone designed a friggin' phone to dial over Bitcoin. You have chat applications on Bitcoin, video, voice applications on Bitcoin. It's true dissident tech that cannot be stopped. And so uh, what my bigger thought about why I'm bullish so far is it's a, unfortunately it's double-edged sword. The governments around the world are cranking the screws on us everywhere we go. And a lot of people don't understand why we need Bitcoin. Why do we need it? Why is it important? But the more they crank the screws, the more people are waking up, the more the urgency is there from a financial side, 25% inflation, all the way to censorship, et cetera. And so I'm bullish because Bitcoin is responding to the pressure that's being exerted by it. And it's advancing at such a pace that it's making the nation state look incompetent and obsolete. So for example, two weeks ago, 30 people from the ECB signed a bill to ban anonymous wallets. Okay, good luck. I could just go create a hundred million right now. Like, and so like it just shows incompetence. It shows how and in, in, uh, in, you know incapable they are. Um, and so uh, I just see you know that that's why I'm bullish. Uh, yeah, I mean Bitcoin. It, it it's you're right. It responds to the stimuli. Uh, whatever whatever hurdles are put in front of it, 
it's it just naturally bitcoiners themselves go out and build around said hurdles um we've we've seen it with challenges early on with again the old transaction per second all that kind of stuff but i mean in in terms of we just saw what 30 i I don't even know what the number ended up being in terms of hash rate drop off the network and we kept out pumping out blocks nothing nothing changed there was it was a couple of minutes slower for a short period of time for Bitcoin to to pump out those those blocks of transactions, and then it was business as usual. And now the hash rate is is recovering. Um, I in in what other instance could you see something like that happen? And and this is, I I think privacy is is this cycle's uh, transactions per second fud. Um, because I think privacy is is kind of on the forefront of a lot of stuff that's happening in Bitcoin and is a, a big part of um, the worry that I see and and it's a big part of I would um, I would I would add to that though like obviously privacy is a big piece of that and uh, but here's the thing though um, like those people in El Salvador, they got paid in Bitcoin and they spend in Bitcoin. Yeah. If you never interact with a with fiat on either end and no KYC, it's pretty dang private. Yeah. Because if if I got it anonymously and I spin it anonymously, there's no one. So it is it is private. It's pseudo anonymous, right? You can see the on chain transaction only with AI, you know, chain analysis. If you KYC yourself at some point, maybe they can tie it back. But in a true Bitcoin environment, getting paid and spending, it's pretty private. Well, it's even better when you're on Lightning, right? Like there's, yeah, there's even less to point to. Um, and, and like you were talking about the, the privacy tech that uh, I, I saw what you're talking about, all of the uh, the hackathon around uh, layer three apps on top of lightning, that red phone thing, the yeah. messaging apps, even file sharing using atomic multipath payments where they wrote, they, they took a song and split it into pieces and routed it through different routes of the lightning network to coalesce on a singular person on the other end and reassemble. It's crazy. What's I didn't even know that stuff was possible until a couple of weeks ago after reading it's about insane. the hackathon. You know, you know uh, I'm, I'm uh, old enough to remember the days before the internet. And I remember if we were having this conversation in 1995 or even 1997, we we're asking ourselves, what is the internet? And it's like, oh, it's a way we could, you know, send electronic messages and like a message board. And maybe one day we'll actually like, you know, buy stuff on there. Um, we didn't know that our car would be hooked to something called a cloud using something called social media to like navigate us because we didn't have any of that. And so today it's like, oh yeah, it's kind of like digital money. It's kind of like digital gold. We didn't know that it's kind of, we're going to be able to do phone calls or digital file sharing over the Bitcoin network. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's about, it it comes down to ramps, right? Um, you come out of a KYC ramp into wallets and then there's heuristics you can use to, to attempt to track what's happening from that point on. But those heuristics are being degraded by mixing techniques that allow people to basically go one way into the Bitcoin only uh, economy. And furthermore, you have the second layer um, that's emerging on top that is making it even more difficult to understand what's going on. So the, the thing that's hard for people to understand is that the privacy story is emergent um, because Bitcoin is a is a layered protocol. So so you wouldn't expect it to to sprout atomically and suddenly be private. And, and, and we need that traceability mechanism in order to have that 21 million hard cap. And so 
what what you would expect is that this privacy story becomes fuller over the coming years and and that's what we see now so so I don't see any alarm bells from an engineering standpoint that would suggest that we're not going to be able to um, make the heuristic that Coinalytics companies use completely useless. I, th I found it funny, Mark, you said you're old enough to remember uh, when the internet didn't exist. I'm old enough to remember when personal computers didn't exist. In fact, <laughs> I graduated in 1986 from McGill Engineering without ever having used a personal computer. Oh my God, Foss is a, a computer nerd or a computer illiterate. No, 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 guys, I did mainframe stuff because personal computers didn't actually exist when I graduated. Engineering in 1980s. Well, maybe it was, but I certainly didn't <laughs> use it. Here's the funny thing. This thing in my hand here has more yeah. power in it than put yeah. two men on the moon yeah. when I was also alive in 1967. Okay. Bro, I can tell you, Greg, it, I did not see this coming and I was in the heat of it in the mid 2000s. Sitting you, in, with executives and I was like, then when it came out, I was like, game changer. You know, I, I was, I was in my head. I was short rim which was Blackberry yeah. and Long Apple. But as a proud Canadian, I couldn't even short rim, okay? Like I was just so discouraged that Apple was going to eat uh, Blackberry's lunch. And I was long Apple stock, not in my hedge fund, in my PA, but I didn't have the guts to short rim. And that's exactly where Western Union is right now, okay? Western Are you literally going to throw a short on? Are you going to do that? Or are you just saying you're short like but you're not really, oh, I, I don't have that. I don't even have a prime broker anymore. Like, I, I, I can do it through the options market or whatever, okay. but uh, you know, at the end of the day, look, uh, it, when I was running hedge fund money, you needed to have your shorts because you're not a hedge fund if you don't have shorts. So you got to yeah. come up with some stuff. I was, uh, there was no credit on rim, but I could have, I could have done a synthetic option trade that would have turned it into a credit, but I didn't have the, I actually, wrap myself in the Canadian flag and said, I'm too proud of Canada. I can't do this for rim. I should have done it with Nortel as well. Okay. Right now I'm doing it in my head on Western union. And the other short is uh Pierre, or excuse me, is uh, Justin Trudeau, but I can't short him. I love the, uh, I love that you brought up the, the, just the, the smartphone transition. Um, I feel like, again, we're, we're in that similar place with Bitcoin because I, I remember there was the period where the the BlackBerry was kind of a thing that, uh, uh, you know, a number of people had, but you, you were like, and it was Palm Pilot, stuff like that. Hello. And you were like, yeah, am I going to, am I going to get one of those? I don't know. And then all the, it was like a switch. As soon as that mm -hmm. iPhone dropped, it was like a period of everybody had flip phones and the, you knew like a couple of people that maybe had a BlackBerry and Within two years, if you didn't have a smartphone, you look like an idiot. And <laughs> yeah. I remember looking and being like, how the hell did this happen so quickly? Like you saw like just faint little so bits of it's it. That, it's there. that 10,000X you guys were saying. That's, but there that you go, Jay. I mean, this is uh, who were the guys that ran BlackBerry again? I'm drawing a blank on their name. Lazarus and... Uh, uh, or Lazarus or whatever, and the other guy there. Uh, oh, don't worry. Uh, iPhone will never be used for business purposes. Okay, so uh, you know our our BlackBerry is secure, and our our two thumb typing. It's gonna it's gonna be like. Uh, and and guess what? Like uh, you're right. It took two years. Don't you know it's funny because I experts. I had I had the Raider and the Trello because you had to have a flip phone, right? And I had the Trello because it had all the buttons on it. And then I had the BlackBerry Trackball that he's talking about. And then I got the iPhone and I was like, well, I got to start my BlackBerry. <laughs> I must have done that for like a couple of years just because I was so used to the buttons. But at a certain right. point, you're like, why do I have two phones in my pockets? It's like annoying as hell. Uh -huh. And I just got used to just using the iPhone, you know? 
same but thing. Yeah, it was it was a game changer. It was like a pivotal moment. I think like in tech, it was like there was the before and after AD, you know, and and uh, you know BC. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 going to come fast. I think I think we'll have that that same moment where all of a sudden a lot yeah. of people are going, how in the hell? Like when did all of a sudden everybody start? saving in Bitcoin? When did all of a sudden everybody start using it and transacting that way and it get integrated to everything? When did people, you know, like we see Twitter working on that. We see, I, I think it, it yeah, hits that, that, yeah, it, it hits that inflection point where all of a sudden it's just in front of everybody. And if you're not on it, then what are you doing? And that's I, I do coming think to that him. Jack's going to do something. He's talking talk about something with the wallet. So they, there's got to be something I think that makes it like so simple, right? That your grandma can do it, and that's coming. I don't know when. Just like you, we didn't see this coming. I'm sitting in meetings and nobody saw this coming. Yet executives at Viacom and others saying, "Like, what's your what's your mobile strategy? Like, till you show me an actual use case that we can have a mobile strategy, there is no mobile strategy." And then this comes out in the middle of 2007, and I'm like, "Wow, that's a game changer." I, I can totally understand how this is going to be huge for the internet. The other thing I'd say, uh, I mean, with all of us being so old and are uh, living living through that experience, you know, the same thing too is like uh, it does take a little bit of time. So it is that gradually then suddenly. So like Netflix came out in like 1997, but they couldn't actually stream flicks on the net until like mid 2000s, right? Because the internet was too slow. Um, in in 2000, you know, the dot com crash, the famous pets.com, web.com. The internet was too slow. You couldn't even buy stuff online yet, right? And so kind of like with Bitcoin, um, the phone calls that just came out, like it you know, doesn't have a lot of bandwidth. It's very slow, the file sharing. But <laughs> that 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 changes with time, right? It's going to speed up over time. Network externalities. So, uh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the big tech companies are, are they're, they're in a hard place right now because on one side, they have the states courting them saying, hey, let's get married for this next chapter of society where you're going to help us um, administer this surveillance state. And and you can see this in like Apple. So Apple's had a pro-privacy stance for a long time and you see they've dropped their principles uh, to the side and they've sort of, you know, said, you know what, we maybe we will wed the state. And um, there's been an uproar over it. People are saying, you know, listen, we're, you know, that breaks the implicit deal we have with you. And so I just want to call out, you know, it's not forever. They had their rise to fame and, and they control a good deal of the tech, but people do see um, these moves in regards to privacy and sovereignty. And, and, and so like, um, I guess I can't let a conversation about Apple go by without saying that if you cared about personal freedom and the privacy of yourself and your family, you probably at this point uh, should be looking at something like de-Googling a, a unlocked phone and putting like a graphene or calyx on it. So just a little uh, insert in there so that uh, uh, it, it had to be said. We, we've got uh, a, APD Media uh, in the chat and he was saying Pixel 4a with uh, uh, Kali or, or Graphene OS, uh, time to get private. So shout out, dude. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, look, these tech companies are becoming the the instrument, the arm of the state, and and, and it's no secret that what they're aiming at it is a sort of high tech um, social score um, society, and that social score needs inputs. The inputs are going 
going to be your devices, right? So you have to choose. Um, do you do you choose devices that provide all that data, that all that uh, your behavior, all your your thoughts and your communications and what you do, or do you say no to that? And and so I think it's a dangerous game the tech companies are playing, and and people need to uh, have this conversation when we're talking about uh, Apple and Google. Laser, I was I had a phone call this morning with uh, Jason Williams. We were, we were talking in the morning, and I'm having breakfast with the kids. And we have a timer that goes on for the bacon. Every morning we have bacon. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a carnivore. So, so, the, so, the, so the bacon is, is, the timer goes off because we have an Alexa in the room. And it's like, ding, ding, ding. In the middle of him talking to me, I'm like, Alexa, cancel timer. And he's like, you have an Alexa in your house? And I'm like, well, yeah. He goes, where? I go, I got them in all the rooms. He goes, what are you out of your freaking mind? He's like, they're surveillance yeah. you. I go, do you have an iPhone in your pocket? Because they're doing it there too, bro. <laughs> they're doing it everywhere. Anything connected to the internet, the NSA can tap right in. Yeah, and not to say that what the answer is to go extremely low tech and go live That's in the tough. hills. Um, it, it, you know, software can either be uh, autonomy preserving or it can cede your autonomy. And and so big tech companies have a strong centralizing effect. And um, well, I think society should learn from Bitcoin, right? We should choose things that provide asymmetric defenses uh, defense to our life. So unstoppable money unstoppable devices unstoppable communication uh, this is how a you know a unstoppable peaceful society would emerge out of bitcoin yeah well, and it's uh, all on well top all on top of bitcoin all on top of bitcoin well said guys <laughs> very well said which they can't tap in then i guess yeah. hey, hey laser while while we're on there and we're on your Top, uh, well, we haven't gotten to your topic yet. I'm I'm gonna uh, segue it to your topic. We've we've heard from Jay, we've heard from Greg, we've heard from Mark. Um, let's let's just do it. Let's just segue into your reason for being bullish. I'm gonna let you uh, round this out and and enlighten us. Yeah, well, I'm, I I mean, I'm hugely bullish from a macro point of view, from a very zoomed out point of view, because what I see is that. For the first time ever, society is getting unstoppable money. We're getting this energy money where you can put your family sacrifice into it and it cannot be um, extracted. And that is a very important thing when you consider, consider the way that um, central banks and their governments um, execute monetary reset. See, it looks a lot like the... We, uh, the Christian Western super um, uh, empire is coming to a close. It looks a lot like um, uh, we're in the largest sovereign default of all time. Um, and the government is aware of that. And so what they, you know, they can choose either to let it all come crashing down or they can execute a very careful controlled demolition of every pillar of every institute of society so that at the very least it's controlled it's orderly and th the solution that they would like to replace it would seem like the most um uh, obvious thing to transition society into and, and that of course is what the great reset is it's 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 um it's it's carefully destruct destroying uh the societies we know it today in such a way that it gives um this new society a leg up when they when they uh transition us uh into it but bitcoin really flies in the face of that uh because you you simply can opt out you simply can say you know what i'm not gonna let my family's monetary energy be used to uh fund this transition fund this new society 
And, you know, even further, it's it's not even just the money. Bitcoin is teaching us. If we let it teach us, we're going to learn that those principles can be applied in other areas of our life. And through that, um, a sovereign era um, can emerge. And, and it could be that these cycles that are uh, are emergent from money printing, the, the short cycle, the short debt cycle, the long debt cycle, maybe even the empire cycle itself, it could be that this is actually the last cycle and a new um, era is coming out of this. So I'm bullish because this is the best time um, to ever exist. The next, you know, eight to nine years are probably the most important eight to nine years in the next several thousand years. So, yeah. Yeah. Laser, I got a question for you. Are you suggesting that you think the government will back Bitcoin? They're going to support Bitcoin and 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 move towards a Bitcoin standard? Laser, are you still there? I think it's. I think he cut hey, a little I, bit. I'm back there. Where did I drop? There you go. Oh, so uh, did you hear my question or no? No, I didn't. I I dropped just uh, oh. ten seconds ago. I think. Oh, my bad. What I asked you, Laser, is are you suggesting that you think that the government in the U.S. is going to support Bitcoin and move towards a Bitcoin standard? Well, you know, I, that's really hard to say. I mean, it, that all depends on if you think um, the the West see a, okay. that that all depends. Oh, sorry. It looks like I broke again. This must be my connection. I apologize. So okay. whether or not the United States adopts Bitcoin all depends on whether the the interests that run the U.S. want to see the U.S. as superpower in the next long cycle. Um, it's it's very hard to say. It, it, I think there's a lot of merit to the idea that the the central bank interests that that essentially view the United States as a portfolio uh, position. Um, want to see a de-emphasis of the U.S. as as hegemon, and that replaced with a sort of Western globalism. Um, and so, I, I think what they're probably thinking is that um, okay, let's copy a lot of what we see in China in terms of their their high tech um, kind of uh, their high tech like it's kind of like a, a communism in the front and like a high tech fascism in the back. So let's let's leapfrog them. Let's have this uh, Western globalism um, rise that acts as like a loose coalition um, in this kind of EU, IMF, um, uh, war, you know, new world order. That's what my gut says is that there's a de-emphasizing happening. And so, um, you know, when you look at things like um, us uh, botching Afghanistan, you know, was that just a, a, a complete mistake and like, oh, how embarrassing? Or was that an intentional way to de-emphasize the reputation of um, U.S. military, which, of course, is what backs the, the confidence of the, the dollar, right? Um, and so, you know, I don't know if Bitcoin's going to end up anywhere. My gut says it'll probably end up in the bucket of um, a a uh, uh, a backing bucket for an IMF digital currency. That's that's my gut. I'll I'll add on to that. I think um, I think it depends on the time frame. 
like what time frame are you looking at, right? Is it the next five years, next 10 years, next 50 years? I mean, laser went out a thousand years, right? Um, so I think it depends. I think um, history shows us that uh, we have these cycles and laser kind of said, so him and I kind of agree that this cycle that we're on right now might be the one that ends it. Like, so, so history just goes from uh, oppression, revolution, freedom, oppression, revolution, freedom, as far back as you can go. Um, but that's because man keeps getting in there. Um, but either where we're at right now, either one technology creates the perfect prison that maybe we never break out of for the rest of humanity, or with Bitcoin, we have uh, taken away their power for all of humanity. And so like, that's kind of like the importance that we're here. I would say that history shows us every 250 years, there's this revolution cycle. So it goes from, uh, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. So we're rejecting peak globalization, rejecting peak centralization to move to decentralization. And so I think uh, while everyone's looking for a centralized answer, will the dollar remain the currency? Will it be a digital one? Will we go back to gold? Those are all centralized answers. I think the, the future is decentralized. So for me, Bitcoin's my reserve. Uh, for Michael Saylor, and it's their reserve. Uh, for El Salvador now, it's going to be their reserve. But some people might still use gold. Some people might use dollars. Um, so rather than saying, like, will the government, like as the U.S. or the central bank, adopt it, they probably – the my, my forecast is by the end of the decade, I believe we kind of see the end of the giant nation state. And we go back to smaller, more decentralized governments like the United States was founded on, right? Like kind of 50 independent states. Um, and so it will be a lot more decentralized instead of like one giant central bank. Uh, eventually, good money drives out bad. <laughs> and so eventually, they'll all have to come around. So that's why I say it kind of depends on that time frame. It also I, depends I on who you're talking about. Like what government are you talking about in terms of there's, there's going to be new uh, politicians that cycle in. Uh, over the course of this happening, right? And they're, you know, some will be stubborn and will will ride out their terms, uh, never accepting it. But again, there's there's a whole new uh, slew of a whole new generation of people that will eventually come to be uh, part of various forms of government. And when they grow up in a world where Bitcoin has always existed, it just kind of becomes. Well, this is just how it is. Of course, of course, this is where you save. And of course, if I'm in any type of government, whether it be a smaller nation state, whether it be like smaller, like city states or or, or whatever it may be, um, it, when you grow up in that world where it's a given that you store your wealth in Bitcoin, you're going to want to store your nation's wealth in Bitcoin. So it's just kind of a, a matter of time and perhaps generational time to truly establish that as the norm. It also might be that you don't have a sort of a Bitcoin success or a um, social scoring panopticon kind of great reset success. You, you might actually have like a fork, right? So you can, I think, I think there are enough people that are happy to just kind of allow the government to uh, guide them in uh, transition them out of the old norms and into the new, out of the old monetary system and into the new monetary system. Um, and, and so I think they'll probably get that off the ground. But at the same time, um, there's a growing group of people who find that 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 vision um, intolerable and they're opting out at every layer. And so, I, you know, to a certain degree, you might have um, the, the monetary reset um, is successful from their point of view. There's a large percentage of 
the population that, that goes into that. But then on the side, you have this flourishing effect from uh, voluntary commerce and Bitcoin. And that excitement starts to be a, um, a, a suck of, of talent and, um, and, 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 and that creates, uh, uh, you know, a competing dynamic where Bitcoin eventually um, uh, disen disenfranchises that, that central model. Um, and, and so that's, that's possible too. It's, it's, it's really, I think over the next eight years, it's going to become a lot more clear um, uh, what this uh, looks like. Laser, do you ascribe to the, the, like the fourth turning uh, kind of idea where where we're like dead dead in the middle of the the fourth turning right now like is yeah, that so, so um hard men create good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times and on and on um i i think there's a lot of merit to that I, so if, if that's real that is inside of the kondratiev cycle which is a it's like a average 50-year cycle where you have these technological re revolutions. Um, and that's been happening ever since the the um, uh, central banks came onto the scene in, in the late uh, 1600s. So, so um, it, if you do away with the central banking cycle, um, the, the large debt cycle, um, then you probably do away with the fourth turning. And there's there's something funny you could take away from that. If that is a... a um, uh, a, 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 if that is a, a, an emergent quality of central banking, then it is not um, uh, good times that create weak men. It's actually central banking that creates weak men. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, I, I, yourself, I, right? I don't know about that. Line. I mean, it's uh, it's it's reactionary. I mean, uh, I, I I know it in my own life. I mean, it's not just central bank, but like my dad grew up on a farm in Iowa. And when he grew up on a farm in Iowa, like he got loaned out to go work on other people's farms. My dad's the hardest worker we've ever seen. I grew up being a pretty hard worker, not as hard as my dad. And I've done much better than my dad. And now my kids <laughs> friggin' lazy. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> you know? but the reason so, it's uh, the reason it's intergenerational is because what central banking allows you to do is um, uh, prevent the market from learning. Um, in real time. And so you basically, you build up all this learning that has to be done all at once. And then you get this huge generational cost, right? Where of course, in a complete voluntary free market, you learn as the mistakes are made. And so then the market adjusts in, in, in uh, it is more, it is more nimble and it adjusts to it as the mistakes are made. So, so you could argue that maybe you won't see that generational hit where you have a whole generation that doesn't have to pay the piper that doesn't have to face problems and then you have one that has to face all of them um and so i think that's the reason why um it might be actually central banking that is creating weak men and not just good times anybody else want to tag on there i think i'm going to only thing i'm thinking is up. i don't see them just laying down and not Turning the money printer off. I just can't see it. Like they're going down with a fight, guys. There's no yeah, way. they're going to go down with a fight, Jay. But I'm going to call right. out the young kids. I'm going to call out the young kids. So I got in a little bit of hot water with some of the toxic uh, Bitcoiners out there, and I love it, by the way. So thanks for keeping. Uh, by the way, me in I my did. Lane. I did this week too, and I think Laser put a tweet up earlier. It's all good. Here, <laughs> look, look, look. Uh, I will say this: uh, the kids are what give me uh, uh, absolute incredible confidence. Uh, the kids, I call anyone under thirty. I, I, I put a tweet out. I want to make the 30, the top 30 under 30 Bitcoiners. Okay. 
and I started with a list and sure enough, guys came at me like, okay, so I will's on my list. Okay. I love the guy. Dylan LeClaire is on my list. Um, I will just uh, say this. I'm 58 years old. Uh, I have kids that are almost 30. Uh, they're hard workers, but they're not going to make the third, the top 30 under 30. Uh, okay. And that's okay because everybody has a role to play. And Dylan LeClaire dropped out of university of Vermont because he didn't want to be Keynesian brainwashed. I love the kid. And now I'm a friend of Dylan and his family just because I've gotten to know him. And he produces some of the most incredible research for a kid that hasn't gone to an Ivy league institution like I happen to go to. Okay. Um, it, I'll just tell you, I am so comfortable with the kids of the, the, and the under thirties that are doing such great stuff in the Bitcoin uh, field, including Amazing. building layer two and layer three applications. You guys, I mean, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. I understand layer two and layer three and building this and lightning nodes and all this guys, you lost me when you said, okay, Foss, there's seven transactions per second. The base layer of Bitcoin is mathematics. And that's what I understand. I understand math. I understand math plus code equals truth. And I also understand this. When you get open source software, like Jack Mahler says, you can't compete against it, guys. It's over. Open source software will win the day. And look what he did. He onboarded a country. So the kids are what I love. There will be 100 years of change in the next 10 years, okay? That's what I'm predicting. There's 100 years of change in the next 10 years. Cycles have gone from long cycle to short cycles to micro cycles. There is a very good chance that fiat absolutely implodes and that we go to war. And But there is hope. Bitcoin is the hope that we avoid all of that because central banking does not work. And printing money, you cannot print yourself to prosperity. Wake up, AOC. You failed your math. <laughs> Wake up. Okay, Steve Hankey, you should be fired. Johns Hopkins is an embarrassment. I would burn John Hopkins degrees. And does, all it come of these... does it come in two ply? Does a Johns Hopkins degree come in two ply? <laughs> because fucking Hanky is an embarrassment. Wipe my ass away. <laughs> uh, great. Laser, great, laser. Great. You were, and you all were of these. Say something. Um, yeah. So all of these Malthusian uh, spears that uh, these Malthusian fear, fear spells that young people have been inundated with, Bitcoin actually solves them. You know, these are the things that our politicians have been absolutely hysterical about when they're holding the solution right in their hands. If overpopulation is real, Bitcoin resolves it. If the climate is being spoiled, Bitcoin preserves it. If we're too soft to endure viruses, Bitcoin makes us harder. If racial justice is required, Bitcoin provides it. If overconsumption is really that gross, Bitcoin corrects it. It's 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 um, we're, we're holding the solution. And so hope is is huge. And so I know young people are suffering through this covid hysteria. Um, suicide rates is really high. But the, the reality is, is hope has never been this big and we are oh such Damn. a good thought <laughs> laser laser come back to us why has hope never been this high uh well hopefully we'll, we'll get him to finish his thought in a minute um, he's, too busy. he's too busy oh he's back 
Yeah, I'm here. So like hope is never. Yeah. So I went out at the worst place ever. Awesome. Cliffhanger. <laughs> so hope has never been this high because we are on the cusp of an unstoppable, peaceful era that's sprouting out of Bitcoin. And I feel that. Yeah, 100 percent. Beautiful. I, uh, I, I think this is a good time to to wrap it up. That was a, an excellent sentiment to end on. What I'm going to do really quick. Uh, first of all, thank you guys all so much for being on. Um, I'm going to go down the line one more time. Uh, if you can, uh, again, let people know who you are, where to find you, and just any final thought that you may have. Uh, so, so uh, Greg, I'll toss it to you, and then I'll go down the line. Guys, so great to meet you, Jay. Wonderful thoughts. I love people that make money. Uh, you know, entrepreneurs, but here's what I know, uh, a little bit about myself. So I was a Miguel engineer. I brought that up. I went to Ivy league Cornell university, graduated in 1988. I met some amazing Americans, absolutely the greatest country in the world. And I'm Canadian. Okay. I'm Canadian. And I will tell you that the USA is the greatest country in the world and we need the USA to succeed. And on that basis, I'm looking forward to getting together with Mark Moss and we will take the Evergrande conversation. Sorry, Ben, we'll take it to Mark Moss's show. Uh, when I, when I uh, go on Mark's show, he's invited me on his show, but I want to call out uh, my, my Cornell history, a sad weekend for me. Sorry guys. No, that's okay, man. <laughs> my uh, roommate 20 years ago was killed hmm. in the world trade center. Okay. Wow. I'm calling out my roommate, Sean. <clears throat> Sorry, Sean Lynch. Three kids killed in the World Trade Center 20 years ago. The USA is the world's greatest nation. We need the USA to succeed. It stands for everything. Freedom of speech. Proud military history we do not and you do not abuse that history afghanistan may have been in may have been a bad uh uh situation but honest to god the intent was was there to to make good on people who died 20 years ago okay i love the usa you cannot fail and bitcoin is your savior if you get cynthia loomis and the 50 million americans that own bitcoin to rally around the cause, China just served this up on a platter for you, United States. Embrace it and run a dual economy. It's a it's called a network transfer. You are going to transfer from a fiat-based reserve currency to a Bitcoin-based reserve asset. One is your checking account and one is your savings account. It's a network transfer and you do not turn one network off. You do it over time. God bless the people from 9-11, including some Canadians that died on that day. But please, guys, this is not a drill. This is about the future. And the young kids that are going to bring that future, <clears throat> I'm so proud to be part of that. Amen. Awesome. Greg, thank you for your thoughts, everybody. Uh, just so everybody it's knows. Futile. Uh, it's not futile. It's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Greg, I'm so glad that uh, I got to have you on again. Um, Thank you. Let's keep going down the line really quick. And and uh, Jay, again, yeah. let people know Tough where people follow. can that find you. emotional. Yeah, <laughs> um, no worries. Greg, really enjoyed uh, all you guys and particularly Greg. Um, your energy was amazing today. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, day. look, um, you can find me on Twitter, Jay Gould. And um, I could just tell you that I recently had a, um, a, a rough go. I had to go to the hospital for an emergency surgery and, um, you know, almost didn't make it. And uh, I'm doing much better now. But one thing I'll tell you about Bitcoiners, hundreds and hundreds of people, when I put it out there on Twitter, DM me. And they weren't toxic like they called Bitcoin maximalists. They, they were not. These people were gracious and the gratitude that they showed me. I'm just forever grateful because they um, pulled me out of a really tough spot. Made me feel really good. Then I talked about chill frogs and they came after me, but that's okay. Because <laughs> that's Bitcoin, right? We know that's Bitcoin. Um, I was trying. I was, I'm like, just people understand if they're listening and people see my tweets. Um, Jason Williams was like fucking around with this. He's trying to understand the NFT space a little better. I said, I got nothing else to do. I'm freaking stuck in my bed. Let me understand it. So I'm going down this rabbit hole a little bit just to understand it. Um, I'm not a shit coiner, never bought a shit coin. Um, but I will say, I just wanted to thank everybody that sent me a message from the bottom of my heart. You, you, it meant a lot to me and, and my wife. Um, and I just thank you. And I, and I don't think people understand the community that the Bitcoin community is. Beyond the money, beyond the freedom, beyond all that stuff for a minute, it is one of the, I've been in a lot of different things. I was an athlete growing up. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an investor. You can identify yourself in different types of groups. I never really did. I definitely identify myself as a Bitcoiner. I don't identify myself as a maximalist because I'm not so toxic, <laughs> but I, I do identify myself as a Bitcoiner now. And I got to tell you, I can't tell you how appreciative I've been from uh, the support that I've received from the community. You guys are great, but thanks guys. Awesome, dude. Thank you for being awesome. here. Um, Laser, how about yourself? Hey, you guys can get me on Twitter, Laser Hoddle. If, if you like um, if you like the idea of being able to navigate the next eight years with a straight, uh, clear mind, uh, find me there. Look, it's, it's, it's not futile. It's actually beautiful right now. You have this balkanization effect in free states. You have people moving their sacrifice into Bitcoin. You have people rolling their own sovereignty stacks and opting out of this big tech um, overreach. And so the general message is that you actually can become so expensive to tyranny that they lose. I mean, that's what Bitcoin is teaching us. That's what it's about. And um, yeah, I love you guys. Awesome. Thanks, man. Mark, let's uh, cap it off. Uh, let people know where they can find you and any final thought. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just type in Mark Moss on YouTube and I talk about this type of content all the time and on uh, on Twitter, number one, Mark Moss. Um, I've done shows with everyone, but Jay, so Jay, good to meet you. you uh, recently, well. someone like tweeted like, are Jay and Mark the same person? I was like, uh, that <laughs> was, was kind like, of funny. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was, that was good to meet you. Um, I would, uh, one, I would definitely echo what Jay said. I mean, the, uh, the, the community in Bitcoin is amazing. Uh, like I said, I just got back from Dallas and hanging out with like four or 500 Bitcoiners there. I mean, it was just, you know, uh, mainstream wants to tell us that we identify or we, we, we group together based off of sex or preference or gender or whatever it may be. But the reality is we do over values. And the stronger those values are, the more we can come together. And so Bitcoiners unite over shared values and strong values like freedom and liberty, right? Um, so uh, from that, the, the community is awesome. I would say my final thoughts would just be, um, you know, to say the cliche, right? It's darkest before the dawn. And uh, man, things are things are bad right now. Not, not sugarcoating it. Um, that was what I was bullish on because the more they push, the more that Bitcoin is responding. Um, but I have a message of hope and that's that, 
this fails. We know that centralization always fails. Uh, central planning doesn't work. Central banking won't work. You can't pay people not to work. Um, all of this fails. Um, and so on the other side of this, a couple of years from now, I see massive hope, massive prosperity. I believe that we break this cycle that we've been in. Um, and so it is a message of hope. We need to figure out how to get to stay together and make it through these next couple of years. Uh, but it's going to end. We're going to win. Um, I ended my talk at Bitcoin uh, Bitblock Boom with a slide and, um, you know, and basically it was a quote from Nietzsche. And he said, that which is falling, shall ye also push. And Bitcoin's doing the pushing and we're going to win. I love it, man. Uh, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, this was a hell of a show, especially for my first one back home. Really enjoyed it. Thank you to everybody that's in the, the chat. I hope you guys got a, a, a lot from this chat as well. Uh, you are all welcome back on anytime. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, wish you a, a wonderful weekend. And uh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you guys Thanks a lot, guys. Cool. I'm going to kill your audio video and do Thank the you. outro, but I will see you guys Great soon. Great work. Okay. Yep. All right. Everybody watching. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it felt good to be back home and to have all these awesome guys on the show. Um, there were a bunch of you watching lots of great stuff in the chat. So again, bottom of my heart. Thank you guys for, for being here. Um, if you haven't already, Smash that like button, subscribe, share. All of those things really, really do help get uh, more eyeballs on the show. Uh, if you want to help out the show in another way, you can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors down below. Uh, Leaden, BitBuy, BitRefill, uh, Keystone, and Bill Foddle over at Privacy Pros. And if you really liked what you saw, you can always hit me up with a tip at my strike page that is strike.me slash btc sessions you head over there you type in any amount you like you hit the tip button you'll be greeted with a lightning invoice or if you click to the right a regular bitcoin qr code um anyways guys thank you again i i really do appreciate everybody that uh jumps in and uh is part of these shows and watches these shows and comments um so yeah i will uh see you guys next time as always I am Ben with BTC Sessions. This was your daily session. Hold the Bitcoin.